Trading in futures products entails significant risk of loss, which must be understood prior to trading and may not be appropriate for all investors. Good morning, everybody. It's Friday, January 12th. Green markets are a little bit higher here at 5.33 a.m. Central Time. Uh, Matt Bennett is here. Mackenzie is here. We've got a big USDA report today, guys. Let's start there. So USDA will release a number of reports here this morning at 11 central time. Releases slated for today include quarterly grain stocks, monthly crop production and WASD and winter wheat seedings. The January report is is often a market mover and has been associated with trend changes in the past. The final 2023 U.S. corn and soybean production numbers are included in the report. Traders will watch the U.S. numbers in addition to any changes in the South American production estimates. All right, Matt, how is USDA going to screw us today? I, I, I don't know. I don't think they're going to screw us today. I guess uh, I'm sure people listening to this are going to say, yeah, whatever. Uh, everyone's convinced that that's their job. Uh, I don't know. I kind of feel like maybe we'll get some information today that won't be, uh, you know, deathly bad. I mean, the thing is, it's been a rough go here lately. I think you can make a few claims as far as uh, demand's concerned. I don't think they're going to do much with South America. I think you look at CONAB numbers, that's probably similar to what USDA will do. And so uh, I'm not looking for like a 30 cent higher move or anything today, but I kind of feel like maybe you'll get a little bit of a lifeline thrown to the market. Uh, as far as corn's concerned, beans a little bit tougher to gauge for me. This report is historically associated with some market volatility. This is one of the bigger reports that USDA throws out on an annual basis. I don't think the surprise will be in South America. I think the trade knows that some of these numbers are going down for Brazil in particular. Um, I would, my guess, and I've said this earlier this week, if there's going to be a surprise, it's going to be on the U.S. side where nobody expects any changes, right? I think so. I've got to think so. I think you know, it, it uh, maybe you see something in production no one's expecting. You know, I think demand people kind of expect maybe you'll uh, mess with the numbers just a little bit. But, you know, you and I talked on Wednesday. Uh, could you see uh, maybe a shade under $2 billion for a carryout for this marketing year? Yeah, I actually think you could. I mean, you know, you see December at 2131, average trade guess actually is to come down from there. It's not uh, a big ask to see, hey, what if we uh, increase ethanol, as we talked about before, 50 to 100 uh, is possible. You know, you could probably take feed up a little bit. You know, exports is, is tough to say, but I mean, we've actually performed better this marketing year than what we thought that we might uh, to date. So uh, with that being said, uh, I don't know. I, I'm kind of rolling. The, I'm not rolling the dice. I'm not betting on this report, I can assure you. But I'm telling you, my, my thought process is that uh, we'll see a little bit of, a, of support finally maybe creep into this thing. To get a friendly story as it relates to corn in particular, I think I think it, it would be very much warranted to see a higher uh, corn demand via ethanol number. And then maybe you need to see a little bit off of last year's crop, whether it's through acreage or yield or whatever, that would be helpful. Uh, soybeans, I don't see much changing on the demand side, but um, there could always be a downward adjustment to last year's crop. And who knows, they could raise last year's crop too. And people would be very, very upset um, if that were the case. So guys, this report will be out at 11 a.m. Central Time. Uh, we'll all be a lot smarter by then.
China is increasing its corn stockpiles. Sinograin, China's state-owned agricultural stockpiler, is planning to purchase corn from northeastern China to increase its stockpiles. The agency also plans to boost its stockpiles with corn from other key producing areas. USDA estimated the 2023 Chinese corn crop at 277 million tons, the second largest on record. According to USDA data, the all-time record of 277.2 million tons was harvested back in 2022. So China is stockpiling corn, but they're buying it um, domestically for the moment. Matt, I was looking through the um, the flash sales data from uh, 2023, and China started buying corn from the U.S. in March. It was March 14th was the first big Chinese purchase of U.S. corn last year. And then they continued to buy U.S. corn pretty consistently through the remainder of March into April. And then they started to cancel it on April 24th. And they didn't cancel all of it, but they canceled a good chunk of it. Um, China had a big crop, but they have quality issues. Maybe Um, are they going to be interested in U.S. corn at any point? I mean, that's the big question. That's something I think a lot of us have kind of thought that was going to happen. We've heard whispers of it here and there, and then it just never seems to come to pass. You know, uh, in a perfect world, I'd say, yes, they're going to come and buy some U.S. corn. I think they will buy U.S. corn. How much is the key? If they really, truly want to stockpile, um, you know, I I guess you've got to ask yourself if you're China, are you expecting that um, this is going to be a good value in the long run? You know, uh, what if the U.S. has a a big crop here again this year? And, And they have to understand you know, that if we do have a big crop, uh, most likely uh, patients might be key. So I don't know that they'll step in whole hog earlier in the year. I think they're like everyone else. They're going to kind of wait around and see what, for instance, this report looks like, you know, uh, how we trade throughout the winter time frame. Uh, I just don't feel like they need to be in a huge hurry, but heck, they're better marketers than what I am. I heard some chatter just earlier this week that China actually did some corn business out of the PNW, but it just wasn't huge business. It was a couple of cargos here and there and not enough to even generate a flash sale. But that's that's one thing. If you're looking for like one thing that could move the needle on the demand side and, and just in regard to the market in general, uh, Chinese purchases would be the one thing that could happen and it could move the market quickly. We just haven't seen it yet. We would, we'd love to see it for sure. Argentina's corn crop is expected to be record large. According to the Rosario Grain Exchange, Argentina's corn harvest is forecast to reach a record 59 million tons. The projection is 3 million uh, tons more than previously estimated. The increase is due to abundant rainfall. The exchange also increased its estimate for Argentina's soybean crop to 52 million tons, up from 50 million tons. Weather in Brazil or in Argentina, rather, has been pretty darn good. Uh, interestingly, this was this was an interesting report, Matt. If you didn't see it, this is the uh, uh, Br- uh, Argentina attaché office, and they lowered last year's Argentina soybean crop to twenty point five million metric tons, below twenty one. That's like four and a half million below USDA official. But then they've got this year's production estimate at fifty and a half, which is two and a half above. Uh, this year's USDA official. So there's some, uh, they think last year was way worse than what USDA has actually told us, but that this year could be a little bit better. Um, I threw this chart together. You guys have seen this one for me with soybeans. I did Brazil plus Argentina corn this morning. And what I did was I took the Rosario grain exchange number for Argentina at 59. And then I took the CONAB number for Brazil at 117.6. And you're still looking at a record combined crop, Matt. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've actually been talking about this quite a bit. And uh, shoot, maybe I need to be trademarking it, Joe. I mean, I'm not using this slide, but I've been telling people. You can use it. Go ahead. 
you know, well, basically all, what I've been telling them is, yes, I understand Brazil's had issues. We all know that. There's some very low estimates out there. But this is how low you're going to have to get just to drop South American production in totality. You know, and you're talking taking Brazil down 25, you know, 26 at least. Because last year, of course, they were around 25. Some people are saying, uh, well, that's USDA. Some people are saying we could be 50 or 52. I mean, and so say you take Brazil up 25. I mean, there you go. I mean, you've got to drop uh, Brazil, uh, you know, from that 160 last year, you're going to have to drop 25 just to take total South American production down. So we have to understand that, yeah, yes, if Brazil has uh, weather issues, it certainly will have an impact on the market to an extent, you know, but is it going to be this uh, just absolute uh, rally driving force? Uh, you're probably going to need to take more out than what we've currently seen, which is, you know, five to 10 million tons off of first estimates. This Brazil corn production number is an area of contention because I think USDA is still at like what 129 and Conab's at 117.6. There's a big disparity between the two estimates, which um, I don't know who's right. And and they've had kind of a history the last couple of years of, of being far apart in terms of their estimates. I really don't understand why. But um, <clears throat> yeah, even with a reduced Brazil crop, you could still absolutely have a combined record the way that it looks. U.S. corn export sales increased last week. Net corn sales of 19 million bushels were up 33% from the previous week, but down 52% from the prior four-week average. Columbia was the largest corn buyer for the week. Net soybean sales fell below pre-report estimates at 10 million bushels. The print was up 39% from the previous week, but down a whopping 74% from the prior four-week average. Japan was the largest soybean buyer. And finally, net wheat sales also fell below pre-report estimates at 5 million bushels. Sales were down 3% from the previous week and 77% from the prior four-week average. China was the largest uh, was the largest wheat buyer for the week. Um, the soy, so these numbers are all, <clears throat> this is all bad across the board. The soybean number is especially bad. That soybean print, 280,000. Uh, seasonally, that is the second worst of the last 10 years. So, Matt, uh, for the moment on the export front, it doesn't really look like low prices are curing low prices. No, it really doesn't. You know, and you've got to just ask yourself how, what's going on here. And I guess world buyers are sitting here saying, you know, we've got a captive supply on our way. Obviously, South America is going to be full on into, into uh, harvest. Uh, we already have some harvest there. But, yeah, bottom line is there's no hurry. And, and well, so here's the know, thing. US, U.S. corn is competitive right now. We're competitive. Yeah, we're, yeah. we're we're cheap and we've got the corn to export. If somebody wants it and that's somebody, I, it's China, I hope um, yeah. it, we're we're cheap. This is this is where they come if they need more corn. Right. And I just don't think that they're too interested in buying off of us unless they absolutely have to. I mean, it just seems like that's been their stance for a while. You know, if if we're easily cheapest, I think that they'll come to us. Obviously, there's some uh, issues as far as shipping is concerned. You know, um, there's been a lot of those thoughts for a while. Uh, but the shoot, you know, if you're not going to use the Panama Canal, I don't see a big uh a benefit to buying off of Brazil anyway. I mean, uh, you know, Gulf corn has been very, uh, very competitive uh, FOB. So I've got to think that, uh, you know, it's just disappointing. Yesterday's yeah. number was was pathetic. And that's I thought the one thinking. we saw last week was like a holiday thing. And then I saw this one and I was like, shit, maybe this is not a holiday thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, when it comes to like competitiveness, corn's competitive, 
Brazil's got some cheaper soybeans available than we do. And it comes to wheat. Yeah, there's been some SRW business, but our HRW wheat is is overpriced and has been that way for a while. We did have a flash sale on Thursday. Uh, U.S. exporters sold 175,000 metric tons of corn to Mexico for delivery during the current marketing year. This is the first USDA flash sale since December 19th and the first flash sale of U.S. corn since December 8th. First flash sale of corn since December 8th. We've gone more than a month without a flash sale of corn, and we've got this cheap, competitive uh, record crop here in the United States, and, and we're having trouble selling it. Uh, Mexico has been buying a lot of corn. A lot of the corn that's been shipped is moving via rail to Mexico and also to Canada uh, because of the logistics issues. So I guess this is just this is par for the course right now. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, but like you said, I mean, the thing that... It's kind of tough to stomach, I guess, as, uh, as you said, as far as uh, what the estimate is currently, it'd be the all-time record crop we've ever seen. I mean, who knows if they try to take a little bit out of this thing uh, in the January report, but, you know, uh, it could go up, too. <laughs> I, I um, It's tough to say. I mean, to be honest, ag market, we actually took our yield down or our total production down just a shade. And, uh, you know, I'll just tell you, I mean, we actually used a sub-2 as far as our carryout was concerned. Uh, and what led you to that conclusion? Smaller crop and bigger demand? Well, first of all, as you know, there's three or four of us talking about it. There was lots of different ideas, and I think we all agreed uh, we could see carry come down somewhat. We all agreed that demand would go up, uh, you know, to get to the number that uh, we felt was most appropriate. We had to take a little bit of production out. Uh, I wouldn't say everyone agreed on it, though. It's just like anybody sitting in a room. I mean, right now, uh, you know, you've got people who work predominantly with growers on in the Eastern Corn Belt. And I think we all know uh, Eastern Corn Belt producers were the last ones to get done with harvest and uh, probably had better than expected, more so than anybody in the Corn Belt. So some of those folks thought maybe we would actually creep up a little bit. But we ended up settling on like a 199. Um, and I think uh, you can't really get there, as you suggested earlier, without taking a little bit of production out. And, you know, that's just where we ended up. Well, we hope you're right uh, for the report today. Yeah. Infla inflation rose more than expected last month. The December CPI increased by 0.3% compared to the previous month, slightly higher than the anticipated 0.2%. On a yearly basis, CPI rose 3.4% last month, surpassing economists' projection of 3.2%. Shelter costs contributed to the majority of the increase, with an increase of 0.5% on a monthly basis and a yearly increase of 6.2%. Despite the uptick in inflation, the markets are still projecting a 69% chance that the Fed will start cutting rates in March. We have the December PPI coming out here this morning at 7.30 Central Time. Analysts are expecting a monthly increase of 0.1% and an annual increase of 1.3%. So CPI is <clears throat> it's kind of leveled off here the last few months. We're still not down to where the Fed wants to see it at like two and a half, but the trend is lower. The trend is lower and more recently sideways, I guess. Uh, here's Charlie on Twitter. These are the year over year changes. Uh, transportation up 10%, shelter up 6%, overall CPI up three and a half. There are a few things that are down year over year. Used cars, gasoline, gas utilities, fuel, oil. Uh, this is the th this is the way most people view inflation is like the last three years where you've got gas up 45% and home prices up 36, transportation up 30. Um, so those are like when people are thinking of inflation, these are the sort of numbers that people are thinking. The, the big thing when it comes to a lot of you guys is interest rates. And that's why we talk about this. Matt, how how much has how much of higher interest rates hurt farmers and profitability? 
You know, the thing is, is uh, how do you quantify that uh, question? That's a really good question. I'd say, obviously, it's hurt producers. Okay, first of all, the nice thing for most producers is as far as their long-term money is, it's locked in. Mm -hmm. And most of them is at like 3%, 4%, which is is beautiful. Uh, The problem is that, you know, you you go from a time where you're just generating uh, an absolute uh, load of cash in 21 and 22, and you come into 23, and it costs a fortune to put that crop out. And unfortunately, the producer hasn't sold enough of it. And so now they're sitting on, uh, you know, they've got money borrowed. Uh, Do they necessarily need to uh, have money borrowed as much as what they have in the past after the money they made in 21 and 22? Maybe not. But if they're going to be tight fisted holders of corn, a lot of people still have to have a note to be able to make everything work. I mean, we know it still costs a lot to put a crop out. Uh, to cash rent land. Uh, and so, yes, it's going to it's gonna cut into your bottom line uh, significantly. And I think moving forward into this year, uh, yes, you're probably going to get a little bit of relief, but still when operating notes are written, you're still looking at probably 8% and, and maybe even some above that. Mm-hmm. Maybe you'll get a few guys get lucky and gals get lucky at seven and a half. But, you know, you look at what that does to cost of production, it certainly drives you up significantly. So how much have they been hurt? I think it depends on the producer, depends on their cash position. But I think most people, again, if they're tight fisted, it's, it's really uh, cutting into the bottom line right now. It plays a role in in regard to grain marketing. If we were in a low interest rate environment, the farmer could keep corn in the bin. They could uh, wait for your uh, seasonal spring or summer weather event rally, whatever. It's a lot more difficult because these these interest rate payment or uh, interest rates they'll eat you alive if if you're carrying uh, bushels that are unpriced and paying interest. So it's uh, it's really a, a situation that's changed a lot. It's, it's changed grain marketing a lot. It's changed farming a lot uh, the last uh, year or so. What did cattle do yesterday? Cattle futures were up on Thursday. Feeder cattle futures closed an average of $1.24 higher. Live cattle futures closed an average of $0.62 cents higher. Box beef was also up. Choice end of the day at two eighty five eighty nine. Uh, that was up two eighty two. Select end of the day at two sixty nine ninety four. That was up three bucks. Matt, thoughts on the cattle market? I mean, it hasn't really changed. I, I think uh, it's been nice to kind of see a little bit of an inching higher, if you will, here lately. Uh, I think people are still of the opinion that, uh, like I am, that cattle on feed could get pretty wild as you move throughout the course of the year, especially with, you know, like a year ago, people didn't have the choice of retaining heifers or putting them in the feedlot as much because uh, pastures hadn't healed up. Pastures are healing up more so this year if you look at the, uh, you know, the drought monitor, for instance. And so with people having a choice, it's just naturally you're going to see some people keeping those efforts instead of throwing them in the feedlot. And so my contention is still that cattle on feed is going to get pretty wild whenever you get another three, four months out. And I think you could see a a stark contrast to this 105, 106 we've seen over the last couple, three months. We do have some volatility in the outside markets here on Friday. U.S. dollars up a little bit. Stocks are off uh, rather sharply, I guess. The S&P's off 22. The Dow's off 250. Gold's up 30 bucks. Crude oil's up 294 in the February WTI. It's 74.96. Some uh, action in the Middle East uh, this morning. Guys, we're going to be off on Monday. The markets are closed for uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Day. So uh, we'll be back on Tuesday. Have a great weekend, everybody.